Let me just tell you a little bit about me so you know why I'm here and why would I do what I do. I live just north of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, my husband and I have eight children and six grandchildren. And in 1995, I was a patient in a mental hospital. So welcome to the afternoon session. So that's my story. And I hope you won't think, especially today, that I'm being too flip about mental illness. But if you do, I would say, as I do every week, that's my story, that's how I share it, and that's what brings me to you today, especially today's episode. So welcome, friends, to Consider Yourself Hugged, episode 11. Can you believe that? Today's hug, Confessions of a Time Maniac, a possible OCD story. I am Dr. Tammy West here every week to bring you tips on living a life that brings you mental and emotional well-being. What an interesting couple of weeks it has been for me, and I hope that this story will lead you to have a couple or more, actually, interesting weeks as well. So here's the story. Last week, I was having lunch with a dear friend, hi Denise if you are listening, and I just mentioned to her that I had this recent revelation that I think I might be dealing with some OCD issues related to time. And before I even had a chance to explain, she said, well, yeah, wow. Now, I was not offended or upset like in the least, but I was like totally intrigued. I mean, I was ready to explain to her like these feelings that I was having, but I didn't have to. So, but now I do want to explain to you. I think it began a few weeks ago when I decided to take Charlie, who is, if you don't follow me on Charlie's Instagram, you know, I don't think I've put that out there for you. I will put my Instagram and Charlie's Instagram link um, in the show notes. So he is my wonderful, adorable one-year-old golden retriever who is in training to be a therapy dog. So I decided to take him um, on a road trip to see my younger son, who is in grad school in Pittsburgh, Kansas. So it was his spring break. So it was just the two of us and it was his first like kind of long road trip overnight. And so I set a schedule. It's eight and a half hours there. I would stop three times. 15 minutes for potty in the morning. 25 minutes should get us lunch and potty kind of midday. And then 15 minutes to stop for another bathroom break. I cannot begin to tell you the angst that this caused me like keeping the schedule. So much so that I started this sort of self, self-therapy self about it when I came home because it went fine. Okay, listen, let me tell you that it went fine. Like eight and a half hours by yourself, you figure, and that's with no stops. So you figure you're going to stop anyway, no matter what. If you're by yourself, if you have children, if you have a dog, whatever it is, you have to stop. So nine, nine and a half hours would not be unreasonable. And it was about nine and a half hours. But as I'm getting nearer to the time that I thought, for example, with the 15-minute stop, well, it was 17 minutes, and I was just losing my mind. The 25-minute turned into 28 minutes. And so it was in those moments as I'm thinking this through that I realized that I might be dealing with some problem with time. I mean, that was originally it was, oh, this is about time. And, and I realized that I was, slash am, letting the joy be sucked out of my life over doing things because I set a time frame or because somebody else set a time frame. Um, For example, if it's a seminar or, or church or a meeting or whatever it is, if it starts out where, okay, we're gonna meet for about an hour, I don't hear the about, it's just we're gonna meet for an hour. So then I began thinking through the many times that this has happened to me. Um, dinner with my girlfriends at 6.30, 
Well, in my mind, we'd stay till about 8. I need to be gone by 8, period. My mind has told me it's 8. So I'm watching, I'm watching the time the entire evening. And then when 7.45 and 7.50 approaches, I start feeling these waves of anxiety washing over me. Um, let's see another example. Leaving the dogs. Okay, so I say, well, I'm going to be gone for two hours of errands. Well, then two hours it must be. Even last night, last night we had a women's game night. Started at 6 in my mind. Now, Tim's home. Um, he was getting ready to leave on a trip, so I knew he was home. But I figured we'd be done by 7.30ish. So we had some snacks. And at 7, there was the announcement of how the game would work. And the last bit of the instructions were, you'll have 60 minutes to finish. 60 minutes? That's an hour. That's 8 o'clock. That means I won't be home until 8.15 or 8.20. And the high-strungedness set in. Yes, that's a word we're going to use, high-strungedness. Now, I hope you don't think that I'm totally insane at this point. But I'm telling you these things because it's such a huge revelation to me. And it's, it's not anything. Here's the really interesting thing. It's not anything that I would think that other people knew, like friends or whatever, because I don't say it out loud. It's not like I say, okay, friends, we're at dinner. It's 630. I'm sure we'll be here till 8. I don't say it. At least I don't think I say it out loud. But after the reaction of my friend at lunch, I wonder, well, how many other people have noticed it? How many other people have I offended people? Have I hurt people's feelings? Um, I was thinking, I guess I'll find, find out after this episode airs. So for the past few weeks, I've been in what I call notice mode. I notice when I'm in bondage to time. I noticed when I'm tapping my fingers. Or, listen, I am revealing so much to you because I've been in notice mode. I do this weird clicking Thing with my teeth like to a song and now I know it's sort of to decrease my anxiety when the time is passing away and I guess that's you know OCD is obsessive compulsive and I guess that's the compulsive part um, I don't think if you're listening to me and you're a therapist listen I'm not a therapist and so one of the things I'm going to go through in a minute is the intention to just go and, and kind of work through this um, but just reading about it I feel like the obsession has to do with the time and the compulsion is the things that I do to decrease my anxiety. So, nope, haven't seen a counselor yet. I will. Um, I've seen therapists. I really believe in therapy. I've seen therapists off and on over the years when, for example, something new is revealed to me or when new difficulties come my way. Now, you might recall in episode one that I talked about, I think it was in episode one, being that I'm genetically wired for mental health issues. My mother lived her whole life with depression. My father has some anger issues. And so living in this awareness means I need to be on guard, and I am. So I wanted to share with you today just my take on, well, first of all, how important continued self-awareness is and self-improvement, improvement, and second, how I intend to proceed with this. That's my point of telling you about this today. So here's what I got for you. Now, these are my steps on how I tend to proceed with this. And I hope what you will do is think of any issue right now. And the best way I know how to say this is anything that is sucking the joy out of your life. Are you not having as much joy in your life as you would want? And I'm, I'm not talking about if you're going through something traumatic and difficult right now, you may be less joyful than normal. But I'm talking about just, just the joy is being sucked out of events that 
would normally be good. And this is a great place for me to start. So I'm just going to go through, here's what I got for you today, my steps and how I intend to proceed. First, I'm going to take a joy inventory on a regular basis. This will be totally new for me. I realized immediately as I put some thoughts into what's happening here, how often I lack joy during events, just like I said, that should be joyful. Dinner and lunch with friends. Shopping sometimes by myself. I do not like shopping. Anybody who knows me knows shopping is just, I just don't enjoy it. But I do enjoy if I need to just walk around Walmart for a few minutes. I do enjoy that. Um, Time running errands with my husband. I really enjoy that until I set the time limit. Ladies events, whatever it, whatever it is. And it's not, it's not that those events aren't joyful due, due to some other circumstances, like I didn't want to go to this event or I didn't want to go to the store. It's simply that I set a time limit in my mind and I'm in bondage to it. So I'm going to start taking a regular joy inventory because when I started thinking about this, it was like mind blown at how often the joy is sucked out of my life, not by somebody else, but by me. So that's first. Second, I'm going to be prayerful. This is my first line of defense so that everything else that I do is covered here. So that's been happening. Third, I'm going to get dig deeper to see what I can uncover on my own. So just like most of us, when you think of something medically, physically, mentally, you go Google it, right? So it's been a while since I read up on OCD and I thought, well, I'll just Google it. So I Googled OCD regarding time. I think I put time management and it took me lots of different places. Um, You know what though, before I go there, this is probably a good place to point something out about this diagnosis of OCD and also about perfectionism and our identities. I don't remember the session, but I talked about the concept of identity and ribbons. So if you didn't listen to that one, I'll put it in the show notes. But but the concept here is that we all have identities as to who we are. It could be man, woman, um, Christian, Jewish, um, manager, uh, worker, employee. I mean, we anything that says who we are is an identity. And sometimes when I go to conferences, people wear badges and they're able to get ribbons. And the ribbon that's stuck on that badge, the badge might have your name, and the ribbon says first time attendee or director or conference chair or whatever. And then some of the conferences have fundraisers or free ribbons, fundraisers where they buy ribbons or free ribbons that are just funny. So they might have things like um, silly or I'll put some pictures in the show notes too. But one that was kind of disturbing to me is that I saw people walking around with ribbons that said OCD and perfectionist. And I thought that was really interesting because we talk about the stigma of mental illness, right? The stigma of not wanting to get help, of admitting that you have a mental health disorder at at some point in your life. But OCD and perfectionism, even though that's not a diagnosis, it's still, I'm lumping them there together. They tend to carry this prestige with them, right? Oh no, I'm OCD, so all my work is done perfectly. Oh no, I'm OCD, so my house is just perfect. This is not a good thing. So, I mean, that's just a short little aside, but don't do that. So I don't want you to get identity in that. Anyway, back to the digging, digging deeper. So I've tried to think about the times when, let's say, for example, I leave the dogs and in my mind, I say two hours. 
at the minute, so I'm, again, I'm aware of time the whole time. At the minute 45 mark, I'm freaking out. At the minute 50, at the minute 55. So I'm reading this about OCD and part of OCD is the believing if you don't adhere to a certain thing that something disastrous will happen. And I was like, I think that's it. But then like, is something terrible going to happen to my dogs when I'm gone? At the women's event, is something terrible going to happen with my husband if I'm not there? So why would I think that? Well, I could dig and go back to my mom. Doesn't it always go back to the mom? So she did not work until my dad left us. And the belief was when she went back to work that it was a terrible thing, that it was awful that we would have to be there alone, even though we were old enough. Um, so it, the, the underlying message was things weren't safe. When I was a mom and worked, she would say to me things like, oh, I'm so sorry you have to leave those babies. So the digging is, is there this underlying feeling that I shouldn't be leaving places? And that's part of what that time schedule is. Isn't it great listening to me go through my therapy? But, but that's, the, that's the third thing I'm going to do, at least on my own, is to dig deeper. Well, that helps take me to the next step because I'm digging, I'm digging. Fourth, I'm going to go ahead and go back to a therapist to help me dig deeper. I think that's always helpful. That takes me in to the fifth part, though, that is tied to this deeply. Fifth, I'm going to be careful to not blame. I've seen therapy kind of go awry before. You know, of course there's an underlying cause to the feelings and behaviors that I'll need to work through, of course. But honestly, there are underlying causes to the great feelings and behaviors in my life as well. When I'm compassionate and loving, when I, when I have a heart for animals or people who are in distress, there's, an, there's underlying causes for that as well that go back to parents. So I want to be cautious not to allow any bitterness to take root in my life at all. Like if it's a parent thing from my past, I'll try hard to remember they did the best they could with what they had in their lives at those particular points. And that leads me to my last point. Finally, sixth, I will use this to be more understanding about others' behavior. Remember earlier I said that I wonder how many people have noticed this about me, um, leaving quickly from an event, maybe seeming on edge during a lunch, maybe even saying, okay, we have to go, we have to go. Um, all those things. How many people have possibly hurt their feelings or made them feel like they weren't important or that I didn't want to be with them? For those of you, if you're listening, gosh, leave me a comment and please accept my heartfelt apology. But I'm going to go forward using this to also try to be more understanding of other people's behaviors. You know, I think I've talked about this before. We tend to assign reasons reasons that people act the way they do. Oh, they're acting this way because they think they're the end-all be-all. Oh, he's doing this because he's a control freak. Oh, she's doing this because she thinks she's the center of the world. We all do it. I do it. But I want to try to take, take this experience that I'm having now and be more understanding about those behaviors. When I've behaved this way, it's, it's still hard. I think this is where the therapy will help. It's hard for me to put into words how deeply distressed I feel when the time is running out for this parameter that I've set. It's more than just sort of going, oh, you know, I should probably go. It's deeper than that. 
And so if other people are behaving in particular ways that might seem attributable to something that's unfriendly or uncaring, I want to go forward and I want to try to use this to be more understanding of them. And as I've said before, it doesn't mean that I want to be treated poorly. It just means I want to be more understanding. So that's what I'm going to do. Let me run through the points again. You know, I just shared a deep story with you. I really would love to hear your stories as well as you visit the show notes and and write on the blog. So here are the things I said I was going to do. Number one, and, and that I recommend to you in some way. Number one, take a regular joy inventory. Just to be sure there isn't anything that's sucking the joy out that you haven't recognized yet. Second, be prayerful. You know, I don't know where you are in your life about that, but for me, that's really got to be priority. Third, dig deeper. As much as you can do it on your own, try to figure out. Take some time. I think I've said before, don't let your mind be a mystery to you. Become someone who regularly assesses their thinking. Number four, go to therapy, you know, if you need to do that to get help. Um, Find a therapist, though, I should say, that syncs up with your values think that's really important. I had to go through several therapists years ago before I found the one who clicked with me and could help me. Number five, be careful not to blame. Yes, there are reasons for things that are going on in our lives, our feelings, our behaviors, but there are also reasons underlying the good ones. So just be careful. Blame can allow bitterness to set in. And finally, number six, Use the things that you're going through to be more understanding about others' behaviors, but not be a doormat. And that is our time for today. I hope you learned something and you'll pass on the show link to a friend. You can find the show notes and get information if you'd like for me to speak at your next event at TammyWest.com. The monthly giveaway will still come from leaving comments on the blog, but now, as of April... Instead of it being the Amazon card, it's going to be a free Consider Yourself Hugged t-shirt. So the picture is in the show notes. I've posted it before, but you can see it again there. So that's what will happen for the April drawing. I will do the March drawing soon and let you know the winner on our next episode. And finally, remembering our mental and emotional long-term well-being goal, I hope that you will renew your thoughts daily adopt empowering language that prevents verbal harm to yourself and others, and make positive mental and emotional choices every single day of your life. And until next time, consider yourself hugged.